Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hi, welcome to Impact the World, where my guest this week is Alexa Fisher. Alexa has done many different things in her career, everything from being an actress to a motivational speaker, a teacher, and she is also the founder of Wishbeads. So getting to talk to her was fantastic, not only because she has really used her multidimensionality in her career, but because she's just a very bright and warm-hearted light. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with her about her work in the world and her ethos and her way of seeing the world as much as I did. And if you do enjoy the show and want to support us, please leave us a rating, a review, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Hi, before we start the show, I just wanted to let you know that we are about to begin my flagship annual course, Rebirth. It begins on January 19th and runs through to the 29th. So you can join anytime in that window. It's six live classes and I will be channeling my guides, the Z's, and leading you deeply into your work and your life here as a creator. We can't wait to get started and we'll put a full trailer at the end. But if you wanted to check it out, you can go to rebirth2021.com. We hope to see you there. So I'm delighted to welcome to the show today, Alexa, Alexa Fisher. Hi, thank you for being here. Oh my goodness, I am so honored. It's uh, great to be here. Well, we have a mutual friend, which is how we got connected, the wonderful Wendy Cohen, who also yes. co-produces this show with me. And when she first brought my attention to you and your work, what I really loved about it is the multidimensional nature of it. So mm. you have wish beads, you have your courses, you're teaching people about optimism and confidence on camera. But before we go into any of that and your journey with all of this, you began with acting. I did. Yeah. So I did. What led you into acting? And, and, and <sighs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure, because I'm sure so much of that is instilled into what you do now. But I thought, well, it let's is. go back to the beginning. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I, you know, I have been someone who really has always loved people. And I think that was my lifeline as a kid. I was the one who was entertaining my parents and lip syncing to like Hall & Oates songs and um, dancing on the bed to, to Donna Summer with my mom. And there was just this love. And so I went to a school. I actually had an amazing um, drama teacher. Her name is Judy White. And she introduced me to a book, Studs Terkel's Working. Are you familiar with that no. book? It's a wonderful collection of essays of real people talking about their work. And these essays, I don't even think it was something that we did that was for a live audience, but in our class, we would read these essays and then we would reenact them. And in a way, now that I look back on it, it was my first opportunity to step into someone else's shoes mm. and see life through their perspective. And I was in awe. I don't know, I don't know, it was just, it was just something that activated in me that just thought, wow, I, I don't have to play just my narrative. I suddenly can see life and imagine what it would be like to be a different sex, to, to be a different profession, to be older. 
And that love then drew me to, um, I think my senior year, we did a production of Our Town, mm. and I played Mrs. Webb. And there's another really important scene in that when Emily Webb comes back from the dead, and she asks to see one moment of her life, just have one more taste of that. And as she steps back into this moment, and she didn't pick a day that was a big, you know, something big happened. She picked a really mundane day. Mm. And she watches the sweetness of sort of the banter that happened around the kitchen table. And I think that was another big imprint for me. The combination of learning about the human spirit and also the power that that, that play, Thornton Wilder's play, Our Town, had in almost like my philosophy about life. Um, I was fortunate to have parents that said, hey, follow your dreams. So when I went off to Northwestern, you know, they said you can have any major you want. They weren't like, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Um, and uh, so I took acting. I had an amazing acting instructor named Ann Woodworth there. And I, I, found, like, I found out who I was by the ability to step into, and you probably know this ability to like get out of yourself and let something else drop in. And it just lit me up. Now I'm also like such a business person. Like this is how I've always been. I've always worked really hard and I love working and I love, um, and I love the arts. So after I graduated from Northwestern, then I, you know, I worked for a while, both running businesses by day, and I would do like Chicago theater at night. What kind of businesses were you running? Oh, well, I worked at a coffee shop, okay. this, this great coffee shop where I met my husband. Um, and I also ran like card stores. I ran an independent bookstore because like it wasn't enough for me to like have a job. I was like, I'll be the manager. Right, right, right. You know, because I loved people and I loved learning things. I loved learning systems. And I thought any opportunity for me to learn, I was, I, was, I was down with it. And so I, yeah, I had all these other businesses that I did and that I helped people, but I would also have enough freedom to at night go and perform. And so I did all these shows in Chicago. And then I had the thought of like, okay, well, if I really wanted to like up this and I really want to do this for a living and make an impact, I don't have any contacts with the entertainment industry. Like my parents have nothing to do. I grew up in Washington, DC, nothing to do with the entertainment industry. So I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna apply to like, like the best drama schools. Like that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go learn, really go learn. So I ended up applying to like all these schools um, and I ended up getting into the Yale School of Drama. And I thought, well, that's great. <laughs> but like anything in life, you know, you, what, what was so great about it, it's not that it has like the most genius professors, like there's this other knowledge that's so amazing. All it is is a playground for you to step into and get your muscles honed because there was so much work that we did. And the people around you were all doing the same thing. It was like going to like the most amazing camp. Yeah. And I loved it. And I remember my favorite part of it was you were sort of assigned different roles, like assigned different different plays to do at different levels, you know, main stage plays and Shakespeare and then these new plays because there's a great playwriting program there. But then there was the Yale Cabaret, which was open to the public and anything went there. And the rehearsal hours for the cabaret were 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. That was the rehearsal. Wow. So you were working all day long, like classes started really early 
And then you would rehearse because it was optional. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And we ended up doing the best shows there. And, um, but I think that's where I developed my muscles, really my right. muscles for what would later serve me definitely as an entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. So really working around passion, something yeah. that you feel passionate about. You yeah. can stretch yourself, you can stretch your stamina, all the things you have to learn. Yeah. And quickly. Yeah. And quickly. Because like you didn't have time. Like you had to make choices. Like in yeah. acting, you have to make choices. Sometimes you have the, the luxury of time. But whether you're auditioning professionally or, you know, you are working on a production, but like it's television, film, it's like now, 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 yeah. make a choice, make a choice. And when I had so many scripts to memorize and so many different projects I was a part of, it was like trusting the vessel, make a choice. Yeah. You know? And so it was, it was an amazing playground. So what was it like to then move into it professionally? Because it's two very different worlds, right? <laughs> yes, you know, even, even if you enjoyed some of the jobs that yes. you had, you go from, and this is the thing about if you're, if you're able to go and study yeah. at university or college, yeah. you have this wonderful three-year, four-year incubator <laughs> yeah. that isn't the real world no. because everything is just, you know, no. there. And then all of a sudden, especially with acting being such an underserved profession in terms of jobs for people. Oh, completely. How, the repertory theater that? model does not <laughs> exist at all. And in fact, you're at Yale and they're like, so much in-depth work in Shakespeare. Right. Which employs which, you for know, nothing. Which, as we know, is happening everywhere all the yeah. time. Yes, life is a stage, <laughs> and we are all merely players. However, yeah. it will not pay your bills. No. And again, that business part of me was like, oh, so Chekhov doesn't really matter, and <laughs> Shakespeare doesn't matter, and like, okay. And they, like, at the time, they, I think they've, they've since evolved, but at the time, they weren't offering any courses on, like, book a commercial, which will definitely pay right, your bills right, and get you insurance, right. or, like, how's how to, here's how to act yeah. on a sitcom. Yeah. So suddenly, I was like, okay, I ended up moving to New York City. I ended up getting cast in a play at the Mark Taper Forum, which is uh -huh. here in Los Angeles, yeah. one of the best shows. I ended up doing this wonderful production, and I met all my LA agents who were like, silly girl, like you should be out here in LA. And I started the whole, the whole deal, going out on pilot auditions and I commercial agents, and I quickly figured out how to adjust my own way of acting and scaling it down, which you do have to do for television. But my joy was the exploration, and you'd go into these auditions, and they're all sitting there just like, like yeah. you know, that. And, um, and you do your thing, and you're. Just, I'm just like, can I have some direct? Like, do you want me to do it a different way? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like I was playing myself. Like there was no stretching of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like you are gonna play you, like, yeah. and they've got you yeah. pegged. Of course. You know, you'd be like a great doctor. You right. would be like right there, like doing the rounds. You know what I mean? Like that's your. That's how you'd be cast. Right. But, but, um, Thanks for the tip. Yeah, no problem. You got it. <laughs> Hired. Um, but what I found was, when, especially when I was working, was there was a lot of sitting around. Mm. There was a lot of um, wasting time, in mm. my opinion. Like, I found myself working. So on the outside, it looked like I was quite successful. But on the inside, it wasn't like live theater. Mm. It wasn't the, the dance. It wasn't the energy exchange between the audience and a performer or performers live because if you make television or films, it's all piecemeal. It's yeah. all shot out of order. It's a different kind of muscle. I also was never part of a series regular kind of cast, so I never had that bonding. I was coming in as the new kid, guest star, guest star, yeah. guest star. And I would spend these just, just hours on set 
And I suddenly the realization was, well, I'm spending a lot of time and I have this precious time. Time is a very interesting thing for me. I don't know why, but I came in knowing, I came into the world knowing that I was here for something and that, that my time was going to be precious to me. Mm. That's just, that's just a, mm. It's just a whisper. And so the more that I worked and the more that it looked like I was successful, the more that I realized I was probably not doing what I was meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it all came to a head, <laughs> and there's proof of this because it's in the television show, when I was shooting an episode of the TV show Bones and I was playing a lawyer, something bad happened to my character and I'm laying on the filthy, disgusting floor of the LA Times building where we were filming, which is where a lot of things are shot. No one knows that. Um, and I have fake blood coming out of my mouth and I'm laying there and I don't need sound. So the sound guy left me alone, but we're waiting for the other actors and we're waiting and we're waiting. And I literally have like an existential crisis. And I said to myself, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Like this, this cannot be yes. the thing yes. that I am meant to do because I've always had a deep love of people. And that, that love has been the thing that, that drove me to say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell people's stories as an actress and that love will be shared through my work. Hmm. But the work became kind of like this invisible box. Mm-hmm. And I was just cast as these certain roles. And I thought, well, what am I doing? And am I really contributing? And I'm laying there with the fake blood saying, I don't think this is what I'm meant to be doing. <clears throat> and that was the moment where I said a prayer to the universe. I was like, please give me a sign of what I am supposed to be doing with my life because I am telling you this is not it. This is not, full on not it. And, you know, I had a lot of time to think, so I was just sitting there. And two days later, a dear, dear friend contacted me out of the blue. She was a, uh, she was a makeup artist that I met on a Neosporin commercial, and we hit it off. And, um, and she said to me, I've changed my, my work and I'm doing some work and I have a very high profile client who needs a media trainer. And I was driving in my car and in that moment, I just said, yes, it was a full body, yes. I would love to work with her. I would love to give somebody my training of your voice and your body and your spirit and the words and, and your light. I will give it to somebody so that I can do something with my talent. Mm-hmm. And that, that opened up my next chapter of my whole life. So your death on camera was yes. your rebirth in life. Yes. I love how shamanic acting is like that. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's always something, but yeah, yeah. True. Bit parts and guest parts, you were, that was the end of that career. Yeah. But it was the birth of this other one. So yes. there's something that you have on your website, you have the slogan, you were born to shine. And it's so interesting, just in the brief time with you right now, I mean, one of the, there's the so many things I want to ask you. The first thing I want to ask you, which we'll put a pin in for a second, is you have this incredible, very vivacious energy and confidence. So I would love to ask you about when you are unconfident or when you have been unconfident, what mm. that looks like mm. and what that's shown up as for you. But also this radiance that you have it makes so much sense that you would want to help other people attain that. So when I saw the slogan, you were born to shine, mm-hmm. have you, my sense is you felt pretty supported in your life of being able to shine because it seems so innate to you mm-hmm. or have there been like, have there been like big kind of come to Jesus moments for you around, oh, I'm not shining 
and now you've attained that for yourself, it's important to give it back? Lots of complicated questions all at yeah, once, Alexa, just to so confuse good, you. So good, so good. Um, I actually, like, a complicated question, I'm going to give you a complicated answer. Good. Because I think it's all of those things. Yeah. I think that where my feeling is, this idea that we were born to shine, I really believe, and I know you can resonate mm. with this too, is that every one of us has the same light inside of us. 100%. Everybody. We were born with it by virtue of the fact that we came here in this time, in this being called human beings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this light is something that for whatever reason, in the con I don't think it's necessarily in the consciousness of this time, but the great challenge here, the great undoing, is to find your way back to the light, mm. back to your own light. And it's very interesting. I remember when I was in fourth grade, I think it was fourth grade, we learned about Greek mythology. And I remember hearing about the river Styx, the river of forgetfulness. And this is as a kid. And now, now mind you, like my upbringing, I, my parents divorced when I was quite young. We moved cities. Uh, I think around that time, this is also interesting, around the same time, my stepfather had adopted me. There was just a lot of change, and it was very confusing. Yeah. It was a very confusing time, because I think children mostly just want stability. They and how want to old were you around then? Well, we moved when I would think when I was five. Okay. Actually, got, maybe got remarried when I was five, so we moved from one city to another city. And I wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a perfect situation, mm. let's put it that way. And... Um, but when I heard about Greek mythology and I heard about the river Styx and then there was this image that then you drink from the river Styx, which was the river of forgetfulness, and then you would, you would forget. So when we would come back to the world, you had this new experience. And I remember my fourth grade brain went, oh, I must have only taken a sip. <laughs> I, I had, that was my reasoning. I must have only, because I had this sense always from the time I was little, that I would look around and I'd be like, well, this doesn't really make any sense. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make any sense, which in a way has kept me a little bit separate from people. Yeah. I just have, and that was a little bit painful at times where yeah. you just feel like just different. And there was no, I mean, if you looked at me, there wasn't anything that really looked different, yeah. but I felt very different. And, but this, this sip, this knowing, was it was later on when I would miraculously stumble upon a book that would be like, what's this? You know, I remember reading um, Wayne Dyer's, no, Gary Zukoff's The Seed of the Soul. Mm. I don't even remember when that was written. But like that book came into my life and I was like, hello, you know, or my brother, I think in high school, I started reading Castaneda and I was like, where'd you come from? Right. And... So I've always been naturally curious about this idea of spirituality. Now, also, I was raised with a Christian mother and a Jewish father, hmm. both my biological and my adopted father. And, and both of them had kind of pushed back from structured religion, which gave me this very open, um, sort of un, like uncharted territory of spirituality. So I had the freedom, actually, to go find my own way, yeah. to figure out what that was. So for me, it always came back to something simple, this idea of your light, your light. And there were times in my life when I would get caught up in what everybody else was doing. So maybe I you know, would join all the parties and drinking and stuff in college for like a less than a year until I woke up one day and I was like, no, mm. that is not me. 
that is not me. That is not my connection to my light. And there were great teachers that came into my life, you know, like Judy White, like Ann Woodworth, you know, people who were in the arts and in the spirit arts, but through acting that brought me back to myself and gave me the courage to just say, you know, stay curious, keep going, keep finding your own way until that is really becomes who you are and you're not afraid anymore to really show people who you are. Yeah. And that was part of, I think, also one of the reasons why the entertainment industry, the energy of it was, was you know, it's all the cliches. Yeah. It's all of them. And you know this, my music industry mm -hmm. is the same. It's mm -hmm. just this sort of sea where you look around and you're like, yeah, no. Yeah. I don't need to play this game. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was saved, actually. Right. We know there were so many opportunities where the big break was right there. And the universe almost just went like, not Got you. it, got it. And yet the other thing is mm. that, you know, again, it goes back to what you were saying about your childhood and your youth. There was a part of you that loved managing, uh, running something, being mm. involved with people. So if you had gone off on this acting trajectory, unless you'd gone into producing things for yourself, which yeah. is probably what you would have done. Yeah. You know, look at people like Reese Witherspoon today. Yeah, totally. And she's totally gone that route, which yep. is fantastic. So. Yeah. Let's talk about what you did go off and do. There's a couple of things to talk about really with you. And number one is the work that you, that you now mostly do online with your courses, mm -hmm. but also wish beads. So let's yes. start with your courses and your coaching work because you yeah. mentioned that you did this media training for this high profile client. Yeah. What was that like? Because that was the seed of everything that you're doing now. Yeah, I mean, that was just the invitation. Sometimes life gives you a door that swings yeah. open and you just have to trust that impulse to say yes, and then you will figure it out. Mm -hmm. You will just figure it out. So as soon as I said yes, and I, then I got the details like, oh, it's like, a, like an all-day training session. Ooh, what, like, what am I going to possibly teach her? Um, but then it gave me uh, the challenge of saying, well, what would I teach somebody? Because for me, my work is never about telling someone how to stand or talk or move. I'm not interested in that. Mm. I believe that that your ability to express yourself is your own. And I can't tell you, like if I move this way and move my arms this way, that doesn't mean that you should, Yeah. but you have to have an inward approach. You have to connect in here and then allow it to naturally come out. And so I sat with, I mean, I would just sat down and I thought, well, how would I teach this? How would I teach this? And then this is the crazy part. You know, everybody has their own gift and their own way. For some people, if you sit down at a computer or a typewriter or whatever, or journal, and you write, that's their thing. For me, it's speaking. Mm. And so what I did, and I had, I think, yeah, I had, I had like my first child. I had like an infant at home. So I went over to my folks' house, and there's a room above the garage. I set up a little dinky camera, and I said, I have to speak this. I have to have an outline of what the kinds of things that I would walk somebody through, and I must speak it. And that's where I will hear my methodology. So it's more like a vessel yeah. than it is coming from here. I have to trust that I am going to do the right thing for the highest good, and it will come through me. So my medium is the camera. Yeah. So all I did was by myself, and you could see all these outtakes of me being frustrated because then, of course, as soon as I did it, it wasn't just to do it as, a, as an exercise. I thought, well, this could be like a course or I could like, you know, share with other people mm -hmm. or give it to my clients or whatever. So I started talking my methodology and because again, I'm both organized, so I have like sort of a plan, but then I'm an artist, so I let it flow. 
And I started to record each of my lessons and that ended up being my first online course. Wow. Yeah, and that was the way, so when I'm in my element is when I'm actually talking. Right, right. Yeah. And it, essentially you're channeling when you're talking. Kind it's, of, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I, the, the, I, I get it. And I also feel like one of the keys that you've just shared, when I did my first online course or attempted to do my first pre-recorded online course, it was very difficult for me. I knew yeah. what I wanted to do, but I had not brought in enough structure. My mm -hmm. way of working is so intuitive and, and yeah. much more coming from the artistic creative side that what I realized with the course was, oh no, I need more structure. And once I got that down, it flowed. Yeah. But one of the things that I often advise people around, whether they're making a course or anything, is I'm like, just do something, just start. Because yeah. so much procrastination and fear can like leave us paralyzed. And it's like, yeah. go and do that bad take on the camera and no one yeah. ever has to see it, but get it out the way. And that's the only way to kind of get in the pool. So I love that your, your, first course wasn't necessarily born because you were creating a course it was because you were planning and prepping for this other work yeah and nobody was doing nobody was doing online courses because this is 2008 right if yeah. your son was young yeah yeah it was two thousand. yeah he yeah 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 you said I mean, 14 I'm thinking, your eldest <clears throat> yeah he's 14 so nobody was doing online courses and in fact the web designer my right hand jay who i was working with I said, you know, we really need something easy to like house this course on my website. <laughs> Good and luck in said, 2008. Oh my gosh, so bad. Yeah, no, really. So bad. Yeah. And um, and so he's like, well, I found this company called Udemy, ah. and they they will let you if you just like put their course on Udemy, then they'll the way that they have it is you can actually embed their players on your website. So I still had like the payment thing through my website, but then the players were free. It was a hack, basically. Mm. You could do it through Udemy. And so that sort of opened the door. And Udemy was like, <laughs> Udemy was like a baby company then. Yeah. And I would talk to Dinesh, who's no longer there, but Dinesh was this wonderful guy who was an executive there for a long time. And I was like, he was like my tech support. He ended up being like a very senior VP person. Right. And, but in the beginning, you know, and it was really about programming. It was a bunch of guys who were like programming stuff. I was one of the first personal development people. But that first course, then I started, started to go and then I started building other courses. And so now it's, I don't know, maybe a dozen courses on Udemy right now. I think I'm probably about at 115,000 students. So it's, it's that's been, amazing. And that's just sort of, it just, you know, over time, the benefit of time. But you were there at the very beginning and yeah. now Udemy is, you know, I mean, I'm con they're constantly offering me piano courses or all kinds of stuff, so that's I fantastic. I take courses there too. Yeah. yeah, it's fun, it's a good community. Great. Udemy was the platform that you really began on, but now at alexafisher.com, you're formulating and you have your own courses, but you're also bringing out more. And the one I was most interested in, especially I think in these times where so many people have gone to Zoom yeah. this year, just to communicate and connect, and a lot more people are using it for work, you have confidence on camera. And actually in January, 2021, you'll be bringing out confidence on Zoom. Talk to us about that because I can't tell you how many friends I have, especially my female friends who like, if I, I use this app Marco Polo with yes. my friends, they won't come on, I haven't done my hair or, you know, especially when you're not used to, which of course isn't a problem for me, but if you're not used to communicating on camera, 
not even for work, but just for life. So many people have gone through this uncomfortable learning curve yeah. of befriending the device, which yeah. is kind of really what we have to do. You know, we have to see the device as a person or people, yeah. but it's hard to get your head to that state for a lot of people. So yeah. what, what are some of the basics that you teach and offer? Well, I think that it's so natural, nobody likes to see themselves on camera. Mm -hmm. And you hear that even with actors and actresses who have a whole team making them look you know, a certain and way. great lighting. Yeah, and they're still like, no, 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 I couldn't yeah. possibly see myself. So it's normal. So yeah. what I wanna tell people, and so many of my students have that, that type of nervousness. So it just means, congratulations, you're very normal. But when we start to realize, number one, my work always begins at the inside out, you have something beautiful to share with the world. And that when you think that it's about you, you're blocking yourself from sharing your gift. Mm. So it's really about the person that you're going to connect with. It's about them. So that self-consciousness is all that energy is going here. And it's really about the other person. Yeah. What many people make a sort of basic mistake about, especially on Zoom, is that the temptation is to look at the faces of the other people that are on Zoom, mm -hmm. right? And if you're just talking with your friends and family, sure, why not? See their beautiful faces. But when you're using Zoom or any camera for the most part, that lens is where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. And there's a little something that I, that I call called the post-it trick where you take a little post-it and you pop a little hole where the nose would be, put a little eyes and a smiley face, and you put that over the lens. <laughs> That's great. So it trains your mind and your eye to look at that lens. Mm. Because what kills me is that, you know, let's say CNN is gonna have somebody, you know, zooming in. Mm. They're not, when you're looking at the face of the other person, you look, you, you, you miss an opportunity to have eye contact. Yeah. And what I love about I'm gonna be a glass half full person here, about this time in 2020 we're recording this, is that because so many people are forcing themselves to be on camera, this is the muscle that you get to exercise in what I call low stakes situations. So some people may be thinking, okay, I have to make a career move, I wanna make an online course, I wanna build all of this, but they haven't yet practiced in low stakes situations what it means to build those muscles of confidence on camera. It begins simply by looking into the lens and imagining the face of the person you are speaking to. Imagine the way that they're feeling, hearing your words. What are they seeing? What are they, um, how are they relating to you? And I know you know this, when you're looking into the lens, just speaking to your audience or yeah. doing a course, you're not thinking about you. Mm -mm. You're connecting, maybe it's one person, one specific person that you're talking to. Um, and that's when it feels like you're right there with somebody in that moment whenever they are watching it. And I think we're, we're now in a place where Zoom not only can be a wonderful playground to build those muscles of confidence and to get comfortable, but it's also a really powerful tool to connect with people. So whether that's for work or for friendship or for relationships, you have a way in that screen to share who you are. And, and own it, as opposed to like pretending it's one of those things like, if I put my head in the sand and I can't see anybody, they can't see me. Yeah. Or I'm gonna put my, my picture, my profile picture instead of letting people see me. But I teach people tricks about lighting, I'll teach them about sound, about thinking about your background, positioning of the lens, um, so that you can feel good about it, you yeah. can be intentional about it, but you cannot be, you don't have to be so afraid. Because ironically, 
I mean, think about the videos that you like to look at on Facebook or whatever. They're, they're the messy ones. They're the ones that you're just being yourself or, you know, you're, you know, you're just, they're, they're, unpro they're not professional. They're you being you. Yeah. And so we have this concept that you have to be so professional and polished, and yet the reality is, is that people, people like it when you're just being yourself. Yeah, because you can have technical perfection and soulless, or you can have a whole load of soul and technically all over the place, and yeah. the one that you're going to connect with and remember is the soul. Yeah, because it's energy. I love what you said too, because that's something that I've shared before when I've worked with people who are working on camera in the past. What you said that I always tell people who want to go on video or put their work out into the world is, people don't care about you that much. <laughs> No, they don't. Like, and, and, and I know. And they people, have the attention spans no, of gnats. Yeah, yeah, really, they really don't. And it's yeah. and it's it's like people. We as people are very self-centered. Like I don't yeah. go on Amazon and spend time looking at the products that I'm not going to buy because I feel sorry for them. So it's like, you know, I, I, I know what I want and I'm trying to find the thing I want. Yeah. People are the same with the way they watch the screen. Yeah. And it, if we all turned up at someone's house, and all, all we're doing, this comes back from what you said, if we're just self-conscious about how we look for two hours, we're gonna have an awful time, but so is everyone else in that yeah. room, because they can be like, I can't yeah. quite reach them. So the way you put that is really good. I think people, we don't think about the flaws that our friend wants to tell us they, they have on their face that no. morning. No, we don't. We're like, oh, you look great. And they're like, oh no, I look terrible. And we have this very dysmorphic idea, which yeah. is why I think if you don't watch yourself back on camera, but get in the habit of just being on camera for the purpose of the connection and the effect that you can bring is fine. Yeah, and there's like Instagram, there's so many opportunities to jump on camera and nobody cares. Yeah. It, it, sometimes nobody's even watching, Yeah. but sometimes magic can happen. Yeah. And all these little ways that you can practice by sending somebody a video message or jumping on a live or showing up just as a participant on somebody's Zoom event yeah. and you just, just Nobody's probably looking at you, yeah. but just give it that energy and say, I'm going to come in with my, with my good energy yeah. and just put it out there in a beautiful way and see what happens. Yeah. And yeah. it is practice. It is really. Yeah, you have to practice. So yeah. something that you have shared here, which I want to just jump if we can, because, yeah. you know, I love what you're doing with the people around confidence on camera and you also have Radiate Confidence, how yeah. to create a thousand watt presence, yeah. which I think anybody watching this is yeah. very clear that that's something you're <laughs> in possession of and they're probably gonna go and, gonna go and have a look if they, if they wanna learn a bit more yeah. how to allow that out of themselves. But I wanna talk to you about wish beads, yes. which I happen to be the lucky wearer <laughs> right now of two wish beads, one that was gifted to me by Wendy for my birthday and one that was just gifted to me today. And these are extraordinary, but I'll share something from your website. You write, the entire idea for wish beads came to me in an instant. I created wish beads to be your opportunity to explore how powerful you are, to create exactly the life you want. It's your own path to making your wishes come true. Have fun with the journey. So yeah. perhaps to people who are new to this amazing creation of yours, and this, yeah. this company is more than just the wish beads. It has a whole ethos. It has a whole philanthropic movement around it. Tell us about these. Yeah. Well, I was very you know, busy in my life. Um, you know, having, I have two kids. I had, um, in addition to making courses, I had speaking engagements and corporate clients and all the rest of it. And yet, one day in the shower, I literally got an entire download. I heard the name Wish Beads. 
I saw an intention setting jewelry making experience. The first idea is a paper bead bracelet. But I saw that the power of seeing your wish, writing it down, and wearing a visible reminder of that wish to inspire you to take action. Yeah. Like it all came in one giant download. And of course, like I shared before, there's part of me that's like artistic and then part of me that's very business. So the business part of me was like, the name Wish Beads is so obvious. There is no way that that's going to be available. Yeah, you the, know those the, moments the when you... com is surely gone. <laughs> it's yeah. gone because it's yeah. such an obvious name. Yeah. So I like get out of the shower, you know, throw a robe on, run over to my computer dripping wet. And I'm like, I'm just going to check. And I, of course I checked and everything was available. Wow. And that was the moment where I was like, this is a sign yeah. and I need to do it. I need to do this thing. So I immediately got all the things. And then I just sort of sat with that. And then I then had the thought of, oh my gosh, I can't make a physical product. Like this is a whole different world. Like I yeah. figured out how to make digital products and I'm a service-based business and I'm doing all this stuff. Like when on earth am I going to figure out how to make a physical product? But I knew that this was not my idea. This was an idea that came to me that I was chosen for this idea. That was my, my feeling, and it gave me a sense of responsibility to this idea. But I have to tell you, this is, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Yeah. Because in my busy life, I, I honored the fact that I reserved all the URLs and stuff mm -hmm. and the trademark and all that. I did covered my bases. I was like, I did that. But I would just like do it on the side, on the side, on the side, because I was busy. And I had kids. I got little kids. And I'm trying, busy, busy, doing, doing, doing. And then I went and I heard, um, I went to Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Sessions. Mm. Did you know about this? I don't know why oh, you know about this. Were these the live ones? Yes. It, it, so so when, it was at, how long ago did she start those? I knew of the ones like two, two I, years my ago. First my first download was, I think it was like five years now. Oh, okay. Four okay. years ago. And um, I went to Super Soul Session at Royce Hall. Was Liz Gilbert there? No. no. Okay. Cheryl Strayed was there. Oh, cool. Eckhart I saw, totally I saw was them there. together. And you they were, did? Um, they were, I went, on a, I went yeah. on a workshop with two of them. Oh, fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. It was the first time that they met in person. Oh, wow. It was like, actually, they were so psyched to be finally meeting mm. that at a certain point, and there wasn't that many people at the retreat, we actually felt like we were intruding on their, like, <laughs> girls' weekend. Yeah, yeah. It was like one of those things, they were just talking to each other so much, we're like, should we go? Should we let them have lunch? Um, I love them. They're, like, such superheroes yeah. of mine, both of them. But it was Eckhart Tolle, it was Marie Forleo, um, but you know who was there? India Ari. Ah, India. Okay, so I have India to tell here. you, I know. So I was there, you know, listening to all the things. I was sitting way up high with my girlfriend Liv, and India Ari comes on, and she said, we're going to do a songversation. And I just heard her guitar, and I'm telling you, I'm getting chills if I even think about the energy of that experience. Mm -hmm. Because I had been doing wish beads on the side, you know, figuring things out and, you know, making some calls. And it's very complicated to make a physical product. Yeah. And she sang her song, I Am Light. Mm. And I will get goosebumps if I just say the name. Because I knew I got the, I got the energy transmission in that moment that I had to do wish beads. Yeah. That I had to do it. It was time. So she ends and everyone's applauding. And I turned to my girlfriend, Liv, and I said, I have to do wish beads. It's time. I have to do it. I have to do it now. I have to make it my total priority. And she's like, settle down. I'm like, no, I got the message. So I 
started a Kickstarter campaign 30 days later. Mm -hmm. I raised $25,000 in 30 days. So good. I was like, all systems go. And it's been all systems go ever since. So I, you know, it's turned in from a paper bead making kit to a jewelry line to stores and celebrities wearing them. And, um, and I came out with a kid's line recently and wrote a book called Wish Work, which is an integral part of Wish yeah. Beads. And it just became this mission. So what's so crazy is that I have been trying to reach India RE for years to thank her. And I even made her a video telling her, just thank you. Thank you for your energy unlocking something in me and helping me get out of my way. I sent it to all the public ways I could send it to her. Yeah. I, she never heard back from her. But then when I saw you interviewed her, I was like, oh my goodness, I maybe can get uh, just a thank you present of some wish beads to India Reed. So I have some in my bag. Absolutely. I'm going to see if we can get yeah. them to her. Would love to. But you never know. That's the whole point. You never I know. know what your work you're doing. Yeah. I participated in transmissions. You don't know what that energy is doing to people. Oh, that's so fantastic. beautiful. Well, and, and equally, I mean, and this is something, and the reason Liz Gilbert's such a hero of mine is we did this, Stephen and I did this North American tour in 2016, which was amazing, but it was exhausting. I mean, it was, yeah. we did 28 dates in North America. And it's not like, you know, I mean, rock, music concerts are a lot of energy too, but there you're often doing the same songs. So you have some level of rehearsal. You know, the stuff that I do is completely freewheeling every time. So I would come back and be so tired on the on the breaks in between, and I would put like Liz Gilbert videos on because if I needed some good energy, she'd already <laughs> bottled it. So this morning I'm sat there. We've just we're buying this house right now, which is quite overwhelming to both of us. I mean, it's great, but we're both like, oh my god, this is big. And um, so watching you this morning on Instagram, I got that Liz Gilbert feeling because oh. there you were with, as I said, your radiant optimism oh, beaming off the you. screen, and it was. I mean, that's the thing. I think that's why. We all just do what we do in the world yeah. and we all play our part and that way we all just help each other at different moments. You know, yeah. one minute we're student, one minute we're teacher, yeah. one minute we're helper, one minute we're helped. Yeah. That's one of the most beautiful things about the world, I think. Yeah. And I feel like for people watching and this idea that, you know, you could look at your platform and say, oh my gosh, Lee's, it's amazing what he does. He's got this amazing wow. talent. It's so big and beautiful and cool and well done. And we do this thing where we compare ourselves to other people and we think that we've missed some boat. Mm -hmm. Or they may hear my story and think, oh, she was a part of you to me so early. And all of it is complete silly stories. Mm -hmm. Because the light that I was talking about earlier, everybody has a gift. Everybody has a gift. And actually, if we can get over ourselves and not think that our metrics of success yeah. have to be the narrative of this planet, we will never, ever know the impact that one thing that you said or did, did in someone's life that moved them forward, that that's actually divinity. So true. And so if you're someone who is, you know, whether you're an artist or you're a writer or you're a nurse or you're a homemaker or whatever you're doing, there's this silly, silly, silly narrative that we think it's not enough or it's not for us, or I missed the boat, or, or whatever. And because I, I remember younger Alexa and thinking back, and I'm 48 now, and I, I think, oh my gosh, I wasted so much energy thinking I'm not doing something right. Mm -hmm. I didn't read a book that said, you're not doing this right. Mm -hmm. No one actually told me you're not doing this right. But the overwhelming yeah. narrative was, I'm not doing this right. Even when I was at Udemy, I was like, they're changing all the rules on me. I'm not doing this right. I should be doing this. And now I, 
I have that confidence inside of myself that, and what I teach other people is that you're amazing and you cannot measure this. You cannot measure your worth, your message, you jumping on Instagram or, you know, you writing a postcard to somebody to say, thank you, you mean something to me. It could change everything. Yeah, so true. You can't measure that. That means you have to begin. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this show is because I think when I was growing up, my own self-esteem, self-doubt uh, issues came from not really understanding the behind the scenes of what I perceived success to be. Yeah. So you feel like there's this other paradise that someone is living, you know, and, and one of, I think I've shared this on the show before, one of, one of my dream, dream careers would have been the career that I was witnessing Tori Amos having. Oh, and yeah. I would go and see her in concert and it would be this spiritual experience and, and anybody who goes to Tori concerts kind of talks yeah. about that. And then many years later, I read her book and all the crap that she was dealing with behind the scenes and all the backstabbing in the music industry. So yeah. her gift was her gift and it was intact. And in that moment that she was sharing her gift, but I had all kinds of misconceived notions about how wonderful it would be to be in her life. And I think sometimes people don't walk towards things because they're scared about how good things can be. And I think sometimes people don't walk towards things because they're scared they won't figure out all the problems. And yeah. I think what you're, what you're really testament to and, and what I always like to share is, oh, there'll be ups and downs and the yeah. challenges will keep coming and the learning will keep coming. Yeah. But at the end of the day, can you go to bed going, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Yeah. And today I know, because I remember the time I wasn't in that place and it was painful to me, yeah. knowing that I wasn't quite in the place I needed to be. Yeah. Not necessarily on an external success level, just in terms of doing the things I wanted to do. And I think yeah. that's something we have to really work hard to invite everybody into. Everybody has to be doing something that lights them up and trusting that what lights them up will light up the world in ways that they couldn't even imagine or understand. And the gap in the not doing is painful. Oh, very painful. And the doing is joyful and fun. Yeah. And, yeah. the, and the making of it, like I have no idea what's hap gonna happen with my new courses that I'm offering or where Wishbeads is going. And I do think it's obviously important to have goals and wishes. Mm -hmm. And I wanna talk about really how, actually how Wishbeads actually does work. I would work, love to but, talk about how the wish is in, yeah, in yeah, here. Yeah. Let's, yeah. But it really is true that the, the journey, the actual doing of it is the best part. Totally. It's the delight when you're like, <gasps> like when Wendy contacted me, it was like, oh, we're gonna, we would love to have you on the show. It's that moment of like, oh, really? Yeah. And that's so fun. Yeah. And you can't, you can't know what's coming, but you can be so present in life. So present even when you get knocked down to be like, oh, that wasn't so fabulous. Yeah. But then you get back up and it's so fun. And it's not the huge moments when you win the big awards or you hit a certain number of subscribers or whatever those sort of metrics of success are. It's those tiny moments, like I was telling you, when the Black Fairy Godmother Instagram woman, Simone, showed up on my Instagram live, I lost my mind. Yeah. I was so happy. That is the deliciousness of life. Totally. Not what happens next, but just that moment of like, oh, wow. And that's what my wish is for as many people on this planet to experience for themselves. So the true. moment where they can go, oh, and just taste it like a child 
has the wonder of the world because we need to anchor that energy on the planet if we want to change the bigger narrative of the planet. So for people who are saying to themselves, well, I couldn't possibly, or I have X number of things mm -hmm. going against me, I hear you, I feel you, I'm not judging you, but when you can just find your curiosity to get just a little bit beyond that, you open up the possibility of that light coming through you, and actually our planet needs the light. Big time, especially so, right now. Yeah, and so if you can't do it for yourself, you do it for other people, mm -hmm. because that's selfless giving, that is the energy that is gonna shift things, and is gonna get us out of our our own, our own way and realize that if at the end of the day we are all the same light, then we have this amazing ability to help one another in the tiniest ways. And that's part of the change. It has to start here. So this is the perfect time to talk about the wish because whether or not someone has a wish beads bracelet, this is yes. the perfect time to talk about intentional wishing. Yes. So tell us about why there is a wish inside here and what that process is about. Mm, sure. So it begins actually with a guided visualization, which you can do on your own, picturing your wish. But I do think that there's something in the quantum field, maybe you call it like the Akashic field or, or whatever. Maybe I don't know what the Zs say about this, but I'm sure they got something to say. I'm sure, I'm sure you have a lot to yeah. say too. But this idea of quieting your mind and imagining a moment where you're living your wish, and that's not just about obtaining things or, mm. it's really a moment where everything feels just right then amplifying your senses to take in that moment, all the details of that moment. So it's so real to you in that astral space. And for some people, it's visual. For some people, it's a feeling. Um, but giving yourself the space, the experience to stay curious and go on the visualization. So I've recorded visualizations. I have a free app. I have, you know, you can get that visualization a number of different ways for free. So even if you don't have wish beads, once that you have that experience, you bring it down to earth by writing it down in detail in present tense language. It's not this thing that is happening sometime in the future, maybe, maybe. It's like, I'm there. I'm standing in my ceramic studio. There is soft light beaming in from the side. There's, I mean, there's so much detail there that it's so real, but you record it with your handwriting, preferably, just bringing that energy, your own personal stamp. That moment is the pin in the map of where you're wanting to go. Hmm. And unless we invite this as just one experience, you can have as many wishes as you want, but one experience, if we don't know, feel, trust that that's where we wanna go, then we're kind of bumping around in life, drifting around. But if we have a sense, you can get curious about that and say, oh my goodness, I'm in an actually like a, a forest setting. I'm, and you can get curious and look around. What is around you? Because in the details, there are clues as to what you really, really want. Not what you think you want, but what you really want, what, you're, what you're, your heart and soul is longing for. So I have done so many wish circles, opportunities where I guide people. I actually do them virtually every month on wish beads. But people have said, oh my God, like I've been like a super corporate woman my whole life and suddenly like I'm on the beach with a child, like what? Or I, you know, so many things that people weren't expecting. But when you have that information that is coming from your light, then you have a roadmap of how to get there. Absolutely. And the next part of sort of the download along the way was something called wish work. Because I, I'm also, it's again, look such a practical person to be like, don't just wish it. You got to do a little something. Yeah. You got to get your acting gear. 
So wish work is 21 days of very simple exercises, invitations for you to do wildly simple things like notice smiles. Notice the lyrics on a song. Are they, is, the, is there a message there for you? Um, little tiny things. Put something in your calendar six months from now related to your wish. Then the combination of working towards your wish, seeing it, writing it down, capturing the essence of it, and putting it on the little piece of paper that you get, writing it and scrolling it and sticking it in between in the little cylinder and doing the wish work, and you have a visual reminder of your wishes on your body. Because of course life is busy and we're bombarded with a million things that are pulling at our attention. But when you have a visual reminder, suddenly you know, you're like, oh yeah, that's what I'm working towards. Oh yeah, that's where I wanna connect the energy and I wanna be right there again. That's what I wanna to work towards. Beautiful. And it's funny because one of the things that I've always explained over the years that came from the Z's was the reason we write down our intentions is not just because we're used to writing things down, but because you putting those words onto a piece of paper is you bringing them into the material plane for the first time. And then when you read them back, they have an effect on your existing psychology, emotional body, energy body, and they start, the work begins. So yeah. it's beautiful. I love what you're doing with wish beads. Thank I you. love what you're doing with helping people radiate and bring more of their confidence. You certainly embody that. Thank but you. more than anything, I think the key takeaway from, for me in, in everything that we've just talked about is that truth of we can all begin to live a life that's a little more aligned with our purpose. Even if right now the odds are against you or you're healing from something or your circumstances are quite limited, you can start by one tiny step. Just start moving in that direction and then a much more fulfilling aligned life can start for you. Your energy field changes yeah. and then you start emanating that out into the world. Yeah. So, and that's how you heal the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alexa. It's been oh wonderful to talk to you. What a pleasure. Thank you. So Honor if to be you here. want to know more about Alexa and all of the work that she's doing, you can go to alexafisher.com. We will, as usual, put all the links in the show notes. Big love. And I'm very curious to see what you do to impact the world next. Thanks for tuning in. Rebirth has been an annual transformation program that I and my team offer every January for the last four years. This year, Rebirth 2021 will be quite different to prior years because 2020 was very different to prior years in general as a whole for all of us. So a couple of things came to me for Rebirth 2021. I wanted to deliver all of the modules live prior years, we have done a lot of pre-recorded material, but this year everything will be delivered live and then there will be full replays available within 24 hours of the live broadcast. My guides, the Z's, are going to be a huge part of this year's rebirth. We held transmissions in August and it was an incredible experience and it was allowing my guides to bring through the next level of information. And one of the themes that they have talked about for 2021 and beyond is us becoming more creators of our lives. They're talking about how we create our lives every day through our energy and also how we can take different actions to animate our sense of purpose 
our sense of connection to life, but also the life and the world that we're creating right now and how important that is in the years to come. So Rebirth 2021 will have that focus as its main theme, next level creation. And then across each broadcast, we're going to look at creating from a metaphysical and a grounded standpoint. Stephen Washington will again be bringing his work to Rebirth. So there will be a module called Activating Your Creative Body. And as soon as you sign up, you will receive the channeled audio MP3 and sound healing, which is called Creating Through Chaos and Being Here for Love. We can't wait to get started with you. The program begins on January 19th and you will have lifetime access to the material once we have finished on January 29th. So if you're looking for a rebirth or to up-level your way of creating in your life, we would love to have you join us for Rebirth 2021. You can visit rebirth2021.com or my website leeharrisenergy.com for all the details.